Welcome to the Icelandic Roots podcast, where we celebrate the heritage, culture, and history of Iceland through stories, music, and interviews with interesting people. On this episode, we are discussing the life of the beloved Icelandic American poet Christian Niels Julsen Jonsson, better known by his initials Kau N. Julius, or as it said, Cowan. Cowan is both known for his satirical poems and his more serious poetic tributes to community members. First, we'll hear Natalie give a brief overview of Cowan's life, followed by a discussion of Cowan's legacy and the genealogical journey it takes to research his past. In the second part of the episode, we've got an interview with Icelandic musician and comedic writer Brai Valdemar Skulason. He tells us about his first visit to North Dakota, learning about Cowan from the people that knew him, and why his band decided to turn Cowan's poetry into songs. So let's hear about the man who was born to keep tears at bay with his poetry, Cowan. Cowan was born Christian Niels Julius Jonsson on April 7, 1859. He was the second child of Jon Jonsson, a blacksmith, and Thorun Christiansdottir, Jón and Thorun lived on the farm Ungustadr near Akareri in Eyjafjörður. Eyjafjörður is a long, deep fjord in the north of Iceland. Cowan may have had the gift of poetry both in his blood and in his name, for one of his uncles was the famous poet Niels Skaldi Jónsson. Skald means poet in Icelandic. Cowan spent most of his childhood on the farm Ungustadr. He grew up there with both his parents, his elder brother, and his younger siblings. Until 1873, when Thorun died, leaving Jón with seven children, including Jón, age 16, Cowan, age 14, Eleonora, age 12, Josef, age 9, Steinen, age 7, Kristen, age 5, and Rosa, age 3. In the wake of Thorun's death, Jón fostered his children up to relatives and neighbors. It was common practice in those times for widows and widowers or impoverished individuals to foster out one or more of their children, sometimes even against their will. But Cowan was fortunate and was sent to live with his mother's brother, Davith Christiansen, a farmer also in Akareri. We think that Jón, the father, died soon after Jón, but we don't know the exact date. And if this is true, by the time Cowan chose to emigrate five years later, he'd lost both his parents. Cowan's older brother, Jón, had already emigrated to Winnipeg, Manitoba, in Canada, in 1876, along with a large group of other Icelanders. They were leaving their homeland in such large numbers because of poverty, harsh winters that made fishing and farming difficult, and the 1875 eruption of the volcano Askia that poisoned both animals and plants with poisonous ash. Cowan emigrated from Iceland in 1878. He was only 18, and he went along with several hundred other Icelanders. He sailed from Iceland to Glasgow, Scotland, where he then boarded the SS Oldensian, bound for Quebec, Canada. The ship left Scotland on the July 21st and arrived in Quebec, Canada on August the 1st. Cowan initially went to Winnipeg, where his brother was living, and adopted the use of Julius as a last name, just as his brother had done. Three more of Cowan's siblings also immigrated to Winnipeg. His younger brother, Kristen, 
1883 and his sisters Eleonora and Stainen in 1884. They all took the Julius name as well. Cowan's brother Josef and his sister Rosa stayed in Iceland. Cowan did not stay long in Winnipeg. He emigrated to Duluth, Minnesota first in search of work and then on to North Dakota. In 1893, Cowan found work in the Thingvalla district in North Dakota on the farm of Icelander Anna Gerr, a recent widow with five children. He stayed and worked on the Gerr farm for the rest of his life. Cowan never married, nor did he have children of his own, but he's been described in a way that makes him sound like everyone's favorite uncle. The Gerr children have recounted fond memories of Cowan from their youth, and his nieces and nephews were said to have adored their uncle. There's a really nice quote from Anna Gerr's page in the Icelandic Grids database that uh, talks about uh, the tragedy with her children, but it shows a light on Cowan's character. It says, in December of 1895, three of Anna's daughters became ill with a fever, an epidemic that was raging through the community at the time. Although Anna and Cowan did everything they could for the children, Cowan himself even walked more than eight miles one way in the cold and the snow to get medicine. The three children died. Her eldest son and youngest daughter, who was in the care of a family nearby, survived. So even though Cowan wasn't directly related to them, he really cared for those children. Cowan is often described as a joyful, fun, and humorous man full of wit and intelligence. He didn't have much formal schooling, but he was exceptionally skilled with words. He would compose short verses for every occasion, and would often write poems specifically for a community event, or in celebration of a person. After living in the Thingvalla district for a time, he took up the job of gravedigger for the Thingvalla church. He often wrote poetic eulogies for those who died and was said to have placed equal care in crafting those poetic tributes as he did in digging their final resting places. Cowan died suddenly on October 25, 1936, on the Gare family farm in North Dakota. He is buried in the Aford Thingvalla Cemetery, where there is a monument in his honor, as well as a panel on a storyboard that chronicles the history of the church and the area. The church no longer stands. Sadly, it burned down in 2003. There is also a twin monument to Cowan in Akureyri, a project that was organized and supported by Icelandic roots. Cowan has been called a comedic poet by many of his peers and historians, but he's also been noted for the profound beauty and even sadness of many of his poems. As we'll hear in my interview with Brahe, many of Cowan's poems are melancholic, and some are even song-like, as if he wrote them with a melody in his mind. One of his most famous poems is titled Beer, and is a satirical tribute to the idea of beer. This poem and several like it, as well as some one-on-one -on -one interactions, have led some to believe that Cowan was a heavy drinker. However, those closest to him insist he was not a drunk and that he enjoyed no more than the average man in the area at that time. This part fascinated me, and we'll get to that in a moment. But right now, just want to talk further about Cowan's legacy. Another famous Cowan poem is called Sunshine in North Dakota. We'll play the song version of this poem at the end of the episode, as performed by Bryce band, Bagaluter. Cowan is celebrated and remembered fondly both in Iceland and North Dakota. The historian Jón Haltason described Cowan as being 
born to reduce the tears of life through his poetry. Then here's a quote from Cowan's obituary. Christian Julius went, along with elegance and benevolence. He was a gentleman and pure-hearted, who acquired faithful friends wherever the road lay. So that concludes the outline of Cowan's life. There are biographies of him written in Icelandic, and I'll include those in the show notes for our podcast and on our blog. I haven't seen anything in great detail about his life in English, other than, other than first-hand accounts and transcripts from speeches. But hopefully in the near future, we'll see more. I think it's fascinating learning about Cowan. Uh, when I visited Iceland and met my family, we were doing the whole roots thing. We were looking through our genealogy, and we heard in some of these documents that one of our family members was a poet. So we spent a long time trying to figure out which family member was a poet. And then we ended up getting confused because there turned out to be a poet on both sides of the family. And one of <laughs> our older Icelandic relatives over there told us like, yeah, the truth is everybody in Iceland considers themselves a poet <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> I, I don't know how true that is, but apparently there are lots of poets, which I think is a beautiful, interesting thing for a small country to be known for. Uh, Everybody mm -hmm. wants to be a poet. I mean, that, that sounds kind of cool. But uh, truly, Cowan was a poet, and he was in that legacy of people known for his words, and especially someone who, is, who left their country and is sort of an ambassador, a representative of Iceland to a whole new country. Um, being mm -hmm. a poet must be an interesting role. Yes, definitely. He's one of um, several great poets that, arose from the Icelanders who went west, but were still celebrated in Iceland. There's quite a few of them, and I'm sure we'll get to more on the podcast at some point. But um, one of the things I love to do with the Icelandic Roots database is whenever I'm researching someone, I use the relationship calculator to see, hey, are we related? Right. Um, did you know that you are related to Cowan? I, I did not. Uh... But I see your note there. He's my fourth cousin, four times removed. Yes. Wow. Okay. So help me understand that. What, what does that mean for me? What, what does the removed mean from sure. fourth? The fourth removed just means that you are four generations down from his right. fourth cousin. Your generation one, then your parent is two, grandparent three. So great grandparent was his fourth cousin. Right. Interesting. And I noticed that you are seventh cousins three times removed. Yeah. So that means I'm more related to him than you are, right? That's correct. <laughs> so I have more yeah. of the Cowan blood in me. <laughs> yes, there uh, we go. Nice. But it, yeah, it's always so interesting. Yeah, that's really cool because you see, you know, when you think of people who lived 100 years ago, it just seems so long ago. And like, what could mm -hmm. I possibly have? in common with with anybody from that time but uh when you when you look at those numbers it's it's just really interesting to realize like it's just a small string of people between us and them yeah. and uh their stories connect directly into what we're doing today yeah especially when you can go back and look at the names of the people in your family so right so i find it very fascinating how cowan his life, I mean, it sounds like a really hard life. Uh, could you imagine, you know, being basically taken away from your parents at a young age and uh, 
sent to live with other family members. Mm-hmm. And then again, at a young, young age, being asked to leave your whole country and go to a brand new country, leave your siblings behind. And then when yeah. you get to that country, change your name, adopt a whole new last name. You, you're in Canada and then you end up in Minnesota and then you find yourself right. on a farm with a widow and her children out in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota. I mean, what an amazing journey. What uh, a remarkable number of steps and transitions he had to adapt to. It's uh, yeah. pretty remarkable that he even found his way at all. Another interesting part of researching his journey. And this is the tip of the iceberg in anyone's life. I mean, there's so much about him that we can't describe in this little episode. But um, just looking at the information that we have in the database where you can actually, you know, see that he emigrated in 1878. And you can go in and see the image of the ship he was on. You can go in and see the passenger list. So you can see all the other Icelanders. I think there's seven pages of names that were Icelanders leaving Scotland on this ship. And, you know, maybe he had friends. We don't, we don't know that, but he didn't go with any of his family members. So it'd be, it would take a lot of bravery at 1819 to make that trip. Seriously. I mean, I can't imagine that. I went to college when I was 18 and (laughs) when I, you know, going from North Dakota to my first year of college in Los Angeles, it felt like, studying abroad basically yeah but but mom and dad were always just a phone call away they were always just a quick plane trip away for him he left everything behind uh, yeah. at the same age uh, and the, I just can't imagine the amount of stress that would that would put on someone and it would really force you to become an independent person force you to figure out who you are pretty quickly I imagine yes exactly and you know maybe for him poetry was a way of keeping things lighter and dealing with things. And there's one more point that I wanted to bring up in our discussion. And that is like, when you research someone in history, you can look at their, you know, biographical details, like when they were born, when they died, what school they went to, if you're talking about modern times. But looking at the historical context of the world they were living in can be so insightful. So one of the points I wanted to just chat about is the idea of whether whether or not Cowan wrote too much about beer and alcohol or whether he drank too much. Um, right. I found fascinating when I was looking at my research is that when he arrived in North Dakota, it was already a dry state. So the selling and buying of alcohol was illegal. And I think his Anyone who's studied some history knows that just because there's prohibition doesn't mean that alcohol isn't made or consumed or sold. It's it's interesting that the prohibition of alcohol in Iceland was happening at the same time, sort of. So in, in Iceland, alcohol was not allowed from 1915 as late as 1989. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating for him to be known as someone who writes about beer a lot, considering it was technically not allowed in both his former country and his new country for uh, quite a while during all of that time. Yeah, the the prohibition in North Dakota was instated from the time that North Dakota became part of the U.S. 
So I was 1889 until uh, 1932. So I think for the last few years of Cowan's life, alcohol was suddenly legal. So it would just be interesting to know at what year did he write the poem Beer? Was it right. Prohibition or was it in a celebration after? Right. And I bet whatever the the answer is, it's uh, clearly beer and alcohol just 100 years ago or less had such a different cultural connotation than it does now. We yeah. could write a song about beer today. And uh, I mean, it would just it would mean something totally different than uh, than when he wrote it. So it'd be hard to even understand what it meant to people back then. So I would assume that it's not just some frivolous thing. Oh, he's the beer poet. You know, it's like, well, that must actually reveal some pretty interesting information about this important cultural phenomenon that uh, is so different for us today. Yes. And I think it's important to know the differences between maybe what visitors who came and interacted with Cowan might have experienced as opposed to those who saw him day day in and day out of his regular life. Like he might've been someone who drank more at special occasions as opposed to, you know, Monday through Friday or, you know, seven days a week. It'd be different. Right. And I guess we won't know for sure without, you know, more evidence and more anecdotes and stories, but that is the benefit Mm -hmm. of, of having the database and uh, and to be able to consult some of these resources that we do have, the fact that we know anything about his relationship with alcohol beyond his poems um, is a testament yeah. to that. So thanks to the database and everyone who's been keeping track of some of these information, because just one more generation back, we don't know anything about their personal opinions for right. <laughs> regarding beer or anything else. You know, we only know what we know and what we have evidence for. So so mm-hmm. it's an interesting set of information to, to know this about him. Yeah. And it's a good reminder for all of us who are, you know, whether we're professional or hobby genealogists, that it's so important to talk to family members, to get some insight into the stories, as opposed to trying to do it once it's it's too late. Right. And there's so much that we have to... Uh, just uh, pretend or just fill in we, we fill in the blanks so much to try to yeah. understand someone's life and so having even little bits of information to go on may make that a lot easier it's interesting my relatives in iceland um some of them just moved to norway and every time i visited my cousins in iceland they all their families they live in the same block neighborhood in reykjanespire you know, keflavik and uh now one of them just moved to norway and it's fascinating <laughs> how well documented it is. Like they have pictures of themselves walking to the airport on the airplane, like getting to their new home. They live streamed the whole process, uh, you know, of their new house, like showing it to their relatives back in Iceland. Just oh, imagine wow. how different that is. You know, uh, when Cowan left home, there was just so little in the way of uh, communication infrastructure to let anyone know. Uh, how he's doing right and here we are you know less than 100 years later or about 100 years later uh that process is so it's so much easier now to to document these things i can tell you exactly how my cousin was feeling when he right. arrived in his new homeland 
Whereas uh, it's yeah, it's a little different, difficult for us to piece it together before. But thank goodness Iceland has all these poets who are happy to record yeah, their thoughts. Absolutely, that'll be interesting with genealogy of the future if it will be instead of looking up PDFs of old scan newspapers, <laughs> it'll be data mining through old um, Facebook you know, pages, Facebook stuff. Yeah, anything. Yeah, right. The uh, the world of data collection is really expanding. So yeah. yeah, I wonder if it'll be easier or harder for the genealogists of the future to look at the stuff. They might just have so much information they won't know what to do with. Well, I think we can wrap up our little uh, look at Cowan's life, his bio in general. Yeah. And we'll be right back with our interview with Bye. I'm looking forward to hearing some of his poems set to music. I'm sure that'll yeah. be a great treat. Oh, and Beer, or Bjor, they actually did turn that into a song. So you can Perfect. find that on YouTube. Okay, yeah. I'll be listening to that right now. At Icelandic Roots, our mission is to preserve, promote, and educate on Icelandic culture, heritage, and language. Over the past seven years, we have donated more than $100,000 in scholarships to individuals and grants to Icelandic organizations. If you or someone you know is participating in the story program, Icelandic camp in Gimli, Manitoba, or will be studying in an Icelandic language program, the deadline to apply for our scholarships is April 1st. To learn more about how to apply for a grant or scholarship, visit our website www.icelandicroots.com and look under the community tab at the top of the page. Up next is my interview with Brai Valdemar Skulasek. Brai is an Icelandic writer, musician, comedian, and actor. You may know his music from his bands Bagaluter and Memphis Mafian. Brai was also one of the writers of the absolutely hilarious 2021 Aura New Year's Eve comedy special. He has written for TV, radio, and theater and has been nominated for several music awards in Iceland. Brian shares with us his fascination with Cowan and his first visit to North Dakota. Enjoy! Icelandic Roots podcast, Braggy. Am I saying that right? Uh, I should ask Braggy, you that yeah. It's more of a Bragi. With a, with a, yeah, more, more closer to Brian than, than maybe Braggy. The, the G is uh, like, yeah, uh, more like I. Like, okay. Like Astilai or something like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
You're our very first guest, and we're grateful to have you to talk about your music and the beloved poet of North Dakota, Cowan. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll just start with your music. Can you tell us about your band and maybe tell me how to say the name properly? <laughs> Uh, the, the band Pakkaluter. That's um, yeah. Well, that, that, that's that's quite a story. Uh, basically, it was wasn't formed as a band. Uh, it was basically a, a group of uh, guys uh, from uh, college that originally started to do um, a news uh, website, uh, maybe, mm. maybe a bit like. Uh, or, or, or a lot like the Onion in, in, in the U.S. Uh, okay. Basically, uh, made up made up stuff and, and poetry and, and all kinds of uh, silliness. Um, yeah. Then uh, we started to do uh, Christmas songs uh, for some some reason. Uh, yeah. Every year, uh, and and that piled up, and and after a while, uh, we decided to uh, make a Christmas album that uh, is the foundation for a huge Christmas uh, concert every year here in Iceland. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very, very popular with the Icelanders, uh, not so much with other countries, maybe. <laughs> but uh, then we started to make, uh, put together a band uh, based on the Spagaluter thing. Okay. We, we did a country uh, country uh, music album or, or at, mm-hmm. least, at least what we thought was country music probably be um, more like a folk folk album uh, in 2005 yeah and then we yeah ha- had this uh, two sides of this band uh, one side being this christmas part uh, which is very extravagant and, and, and big and then this uh, mm-hmm. ca- country folk uh, band uh, that uh, plays around Iceland. That was a short story of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and this folk roots uh, led us then to uh, Dakota when we, uh, one, one of the members of the group uh, was living in Iowa. We went to visit him, uh, our families, uh, mm-hmm. seven couples, I think. Uh, oh, wow. we, we drove from Iowa uh, upstate uh, to Dakota and then to um, then to Canada to Gimli and uh, Winnipeg and all that just to yeah yeah to see our roots <laughs> yeah and and, and then, then we uh, met a lot of people um, we we knew about Cowan of course uh, from school and such but but when we uh, found out that he had these roots in, in Dakota, we we got some extra interest in him. So you you heard about Cowan in the schools? Yeah, we, we, we knew about him. Uh, I, I don't know if children today are learning about Cowan, but uh, but uh, we know of him. But uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we we have had uh, some part of letting people know about about his uh, poetry. But there was a uh, basically a reason. The reason for for this, we met uh, up with, of course, uh, lots of great people um, in two thousand and seven. Uh, many of uh, the second generation uh, Icelanders were were still alive then. Magnus Magnusson mm-hmm. and uh, Magnus Olsson and 
Jon Jonsson and, uh, and many more. And then there was uh, Christine Hall, Christine Hall, um, which we mm -hmm. met in uh, Cavalier. She was uh, living there and, and she was uh, telling us about Cowen because Cowen was uh, working at the farm uh, she lived in uh, when she was a, 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 a small girl. And uh, he made a, a poem about her and the children in the uh, countryside. Uh, one, mm -hmm. one, of, one of the, it was called uh, Stina Litla. And right. we learned that she was at that time 99 years old, uh, getting close to 100. And we decided to give her uh, a song with this poem for her 100th birthday. Oh, wow. Uh, but then uh, I started to um, read Cowen and, 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 and got really connected with his uh, poems. And, and it ended up a, a whole record of songs, uh, <laughs> Solstini Dakota, the Sun, Sunlight in Dakota uh, album, uh, which we mm -hmm. basically gave uh, Christine uh, for her birthday, uh, we couldn't yeah. be, we couldn't be there at her birthday, but but we sent her uh, a demo uh, or an anniversary disc, and the next year mm -hmm. uh, it came out as as a album in Iceland, and then then we went back with a uh, with our band and uh, played uh, both in um, Icelandic State Park in uh, Dakota and uh, Winnipeg, Gimli, Hekla Island, and and so on. So the, yeah, the, this gift was uh, for Christina. She went a wonderful woman, um, and she knew knew Cowan, and and she re remembered her, him very well. And then uh, now, uh, thirteen years later, uh, we decided to um, do another Cowan album mm -hmm. because uh, the, there's something in his poetry that's. Um, it's very, uh, it flows very well, um, if I can say that. It's, it's really good to make mm -hmm. song, songs to his uh, poetry. Um, he's not uh, uptight like many Icelandic yeah. um, poets uh, for, for a 100 year, year old uh, poetry, that is. So it's very um, yeah. easy to, uh, to make music to, to his words. And it and makes sense. That's really interesting, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so we made a new album this year, version on uh, vinyl records when you have the old album uh, at one side mm -hmm. and, and and the new album on, on another side. So all together, maybe 20 or more songs uh, to, to his poetry. Yeah. And very often, uh, because his poems are so short, maybe four lines, um, uh, I take uh, like uh, a mix of the poems uh, that have maybe the same uh, feeling and, and make maybe, mm -hmm. maybe four or five verses that, that fit together into one song. Basically the uh, Cowan story of Bakalutur. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. That, that's really interesting. How do you pick the song, like the poems, to turn uh, into songs? It's different. I mean, so, some of the poems are long, and uh, but there are not many that are are, are like big. Uh, 
Right. But, uh, I don't know. I just I have this uh, his um, collection of work in, in a book that was published in 1943 or so. Yeah. And I have that uh, actually in, in, in a few different uh, versions because uh, for some reason they're all the different color. I have a red one, I have a black one, I have a, a green one, <laughs> and I've seen yeah. a brown one. I, I need to get that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm collecting his uh, his versions as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, it's he's very um, often spoken of as a um, comedy uh, comedy poet or kimniskald as, as as it says on his gravestone. Mm-hmm. The funny part is isn't maybe not so funny anymore because uh, of different times, but I think there's right. uh, much more of uh, like melancholy. Well, serious uh, thoughts and poetry that speak much more to me, at least. We were basically taught that he was just uh, writing about uh, alcohol and <laughs> and and, right. uh, and pa- partying, but uh, that, that that has maybe uh, gotten lost al- along the way. At, at least that's uh, not as big as part of his poetry that you would think. Right. People speak of him as this comedy poet, but... I think it's a lot more to his uh, melancholy side. That can often happen if the most popular ones at the time yeah. were the more satirical and fun ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, that's yeah, everyone yeah. remembers those. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, yeah. they're, they're great and, and, and many, uh, but uh, I think the other ones got a bit lost in between. He's a, he, as you can hear, he's a big favorite of, of mine, Cowan. Or I hope I, we're uh, translating or uh, bringing him to new generations. Yeah. Um, and many more have been uh, making music to his poetry. Uh, there's always, mm-hmm. uh, I'm always meeting people that say, oh, you did uh, this. Uh, I, I did a song to that when I was <laughs> 20 years oh, ago wow. or something. Just uh, people, <laughs> I, I think, uh, just pe- when people are, are reading this, um, uh, they basically start to sing something in, in their head. I think there's, yeah. there's some music in the in, in his lines. Maybe he actually did uh, write poetry to some songs. Mm. Maybe I don't know. Uh, often there's a there's so much music in the uh, li- lyrics. Then I have to think about if he was uh, you know singing maybe some of this. And I sent uh, sent a box of the CDs to uh, Sunna. They're finally yeah. there now. Yes, <laughs> it took she a told long, me. Yeah, yeah. it's a long time. So so good. and and it's also of course on 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 Spotify. So if, that's how people can listen. And... Yeah, if they want to listen, you can look up Bagaludur on Spotify. Yeah, it's called Kvedjuskila. Give, give my greetings or, or something like that would be a translation. The one thing I want to share with you that you might already know this, but what we love to do with Icelandic roots mm-hmm. with our databases, there's a little thing called the relationship calculator. Okay. Especially people in history, if they're notable, it's fun to go in and see, like, do we have any connection? Because Western Icelanders, if it's within seven generations, <laughs> we get excited. Yeah. Even uh, though that's not. Anyone else gets excited 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like that very much. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I have probably some relations over that because we all do. Um, yeah. None that I know of, at least. Well, I was looking at Cowan, yeah. Yeah. and I have. I'm not closely related at all, but mm-hmm. you are his fifth cousin. Okay. I didn't check Four it. generations down. So. <laughs> okay, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can. There's a thing called Eastlandica book. Maybe he's there. Also, I can. I could look him up. But do you have a have a database of your own, or? Icelandic Roots has a database that was started by a man named Halfdan Helgeson, a genealogist here in Iceland. And he partnered with Suna for years and she took it over and turned it into a nonprofit. Okay. So we've been trying to collect all the people who left Iceland to have all their data and the... Okay. And then linking them to the roots in Iceland. Oh, amazing. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, of course, uh, are hoping when all this situation is over that we'll be able to go go back. We would like to go, go there uh, maybe next year or so, Dakota. And have a performance? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. It's quite an unusual project. <laughs> Yeah. And, and making these two records uh, with 10 years apart. But there's there is some uh, very strong connection there with, with Cowan's uh, poetry. Uh, and we, yeah. we we all fell for uh, just um, the, the Western Icelanders. When we went there, we really touched, uh, especially talking to these um, old Icelanders. Um, uh, Magnus and, and Christine, and, and uh, they were of course quite old at the time, but uh, they spoke. Mm-hmm. They still spoke uh, Icelandic, uh, and Christine, yeah. Christine uh, she didn't want to speak uh, Icelandic, um, but uh, and she never went to Iceland in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she at the end, uh, when we were saying goodbye, she spoke Icelandic, and it was completely without. Uh, any accent or it was amazing to hear oh, wow. her speak um, and, and that that connection is of course uh, broken now uh, with more generation uh, yeah. apart but, but there are of course always new people <laughs> moving it's a, it's a really course. important connection to keep so yeah. great, great work you guys thank you <laughs> thanks for taking the time to talk to us and tell those stories. My pleasure. This episode was created and produced by Natalie Gutormson and Will Beaton. Thank you always to Lindy Voppenfeld for allowing us to play his song, Give Some Love, during our introduction. And thank you to Brai for taking the time to talk with us. You can learn more about Icelandic culture and heritage on our website, www.icelandicroots.com and by following Icelandic Roots on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. We're currently available for listening on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on the Podbean app. Our featured song for the episode is Solskinith i Dakota by Bagaluter. Þegar vetur víkur frá og veðrið 
fer að hlýna þá er fögur sjóna sjá sólina okkar skýna dveljur þú í dag og dá dag um sláttarleitið þá er fögur sjóna sjá sólina skýna og kveitið Sjá, sólina skína og steg. 